wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 3, Episode 18. How does luck even work anyway? Hello, everyone, and thank you for being back with us once again here to discuss more wonders of the world of the Wheel of Time. My name is Justin, and I couldn't do this without the guy who's read the Wheel of Time like 10,000 times. Uh, Stephen is here as well. Stephen, say hello. Hey, folks. Hope y'all are all doing great and ready to dive in with us again tonight. So is it just 10,000 or is it uh, probably more <laughs> than that by now? <laughs> it's not quite 10,000. Uh, I am currently on, let's see, I believe I have just started reread number five. Maybe is that six. all? It might be. Of the entire series. Okay. Now, there are parts of it, like the, the first three books, I have probably read at least 10 or 11 times. Okay, okay. Uh but like right. there are parts of it. I think I've only reread the entire series. Yeah. This is full reread number five. Okay. All right. So so maybe not quite ten thousand. <laughs> uh but still this series to reread it that many times is is impressive because it's it's no small task. It takes like I do a lot of mine nowadays on audio version. And even reading at increased speed to get through the whole series, it takes months of time. Yeah. Uh, wow. It is not, I've been doing this, I started on book one back in the fall. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I, I've been over six months into this reread right now. Well, I'm still working on one. <laughs> <laughs> although i have read certain parts of the series multiple times because i've i've restarted and restarted a couple of times and have yet to finish it but uh hopefully between the two of us uh doing this i'll get to do that one day which um, brings up a question for me have you ever did you ever at any point in the series become current no okay i didn't think no. you did I, I was always lagging behind. Yeah, I was uh, wondering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got current with the release of book nine. I don't even know if I made it to book nine. <laughs> <laughs> Winter's heart. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think that, I think eight might have been the last one I finished. And that's gotcha. been several years back. And then I, I decided to start over again because I really didn't know what was going on because, uh, I mean, those eight books <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> over the period of several years because yep. I'm kind of a slow reader. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I just I do not read novels very quickly. 
uh, most of the time. Now, so, there have been a few that I've read, you know, very quickly, but uh, most of the time it's not uh, not a whole, not really, really fast. But yeah, when um, a, when a memory of white came out, I took vacation days from work and pretty much read the book solid without I would eat as I was reading and I slept when I basically like fell asleep in the book and it's it took me roughly I think 33 hours to get through it that's that's impressive to me <laughs> uh, I mean it really is I'm I don't know. Maybe maybe you've got a superpower. I, I you know I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, I I I love my books and I get lost and I, I lose mean, track of everything else that's going on. <laughs> I I love my books too, and I can get lost. I mean, I can get lost in these books. It's just it. I I guess I just can't sit for as long of a time. You know, I got to get up and do something else. Yeah. So. Well, it's definitely not healthy to do that. <laughs> I can tell you that. Oh, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> your body does not like to be that sedentary for that long. Neither does your eyes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe that's maybe that's my issue. And I want to go ahead and apologize for tonight, for this week because uh, I've been dealing with some um, sinus stuff, um, and it's still kicking me a little bit. So if my voice sounds a little funny. If my voice starts to go out, I do apologize to our listeners. And I apologize to you, Stephen, that you'll have to sit here and listen to me as well. But uh, maybe I'll let you do more talking tonight than you probably have more. You probably have more interesting things to contribute anyway. (laughs) I wouldn't Uh, say that. The discussion's where it's at. Well, you know more than I do. so. So tonight or this week i always want to say tonight because we record at night right um <laughs> but, but they re- this... the episodes release at like the crack of dawn the, so the episodes release in the morning <laughs> and you may be listening to this i don't know two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> i don't know what your what, what your schedule is like um this week this episode whatever you want to say uh what are we going to be discussing So this week we're going to go through chapters 48 and 49 of The Dragon Reborn. So anybody out there who has not read those chapters yet, hit that pause button, go and read, and then come back and we'll be here ready to go when you hit that play button again. That's right. And just for the record, I do believe last time we said 48 through 50, but uh, we decided to kind of cut it back a little bit tonight or this week, whatever. And uh, we'll get to 50 next time, uh, plus yep. a few other chapters. And we're coming close to the end of the season. Uh, we were just figuring that out off air, like three episodes maybe after this one yeah. of, of story. And then our usual uh, end of the season uh, review and Q&A session. So, um Yes, Which there is still plenty of time for folks to submit Q and A questions. That's uh, right. Um, I know we. I I know I've come up with a few, uh, and I could probably come up with a, a few dozen more. But, but absolutely, y'all get those questions to us through the uh, contact information that we give you uh, each episode. But 
let's save that for a little bit later. Let's go ahead and get into these this chapters for this this week, shall we? Sounds good. So let's start in chapter 48, following the craft, a nauseating journey down the air and finally brings Egwene and company to Tyr, a great city dominated by the fortress known as the Stone. Unwilling to stay in an inn and tip off the Black Sisters, Nynaeve finds the home of a wise woman, Mother Gwenna. After a test of herb craft, Nynaeve reveals as much as she can about their reason for being in tear, and Mother Gwenna knows just the man who can help. Did I get that geography right? Is it the Aaron and they were sailing down, or? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, sure I, it was I, I feel like I need to find my map <laughs> and check. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, am I sure that's right? I mean, I wrote it, but. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yes, I would check, but I I don't have my map with me tonight. My I, uh, I have my map. It is the River Aaron, and that brings us to Tear. Finally, this feels like this is where we've been going. The whole book, almost. Yeah, these, especially the first three books in the series, you kind of feel like, you know, the general layout of each book is you start one place and the. The book is the journey of getting to where yeah. you're going. Um, yeah. That's pretty much the, the standard format for these first three books in the series. Right. Let's see. Book one, it was, I mean, it was supposed to be Tar Valen. Right. Uh, but and then it, it derails to the eye of the world. Yeah. And then book two was Falma. Oh. And book three brings us to Tear finally. But it hasn't been an easy journey to get to tier. Um, we have not really talked about Egwene and her group since before we, we took the, took a break, uh, since we were forced to take a break. So maybe we need to kind of refresh our memory on what was going on with them last time we saw them. So last time we saw them, uh, you know, they were, had set out from the tower, on the tail of the Black Aja, uh, were traveling, got into a bit of trouble, ran into some maidens of the spear, uh, right. ran in with the Aiel, almost got sold to a Merdral, uh, you know, casual everyday stuff. <laughs> uh, so, okay. yeah, when we last left them, they were looking for a boat, and now yeah. we're seeing the fruition of that. They they were fresh off the heels of that encounter with the Merdral, weren't they? Yep. That was, that was kind of like the last major thing that happened to them. Okay. Um, so so that kind of brings us up to speed. And uh, maybe if the, the, the boat, the speed had been a little bit faster. Because uh, poor Egwene and Nynaeve. Um, question, is it still seasickness if you're on the river? <laughs> you know, it's an interesting question. I think it would have to be, although, honestly, I've never really heard of anybody getting river sick. Like, <laughs> usually you get seasick because of, like, the waves and the rocking. Yeah. I've never experienced that on a river. Like, you get some of that if the water's, like, really choppy, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, from what, the way I imagine, it's a pretty big river. 
Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely a larger river. Yeah. Um, so, but then again, I just don't, I don't get seasick in general, so I don't really have a way to relate to how that would yeah. feel. <laughs> I guess let, let's just let's call it motion sickness. Okay. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. They don't um, have their uh, Isodai Dramamine weaves ready to go. Yeah, and well, they didn't either. <laughs> uh, they probably needed them. Yeah. So yeah, we we started out this chapter in a Egwene's head. Uh, uh, pretty much this whole chapter is in Egwene's yeah. head. The things that are going on. True. Uh, with her, uh, she's kind of been. Uh, it hasn't been a whole lot of. I mean, other than other than the uh, the motion sickness as they've traveled down the river, there hasn't. I guess there's not a whole lot to report. Um, no, they seem to have had a a pretty run of the mill journey at this point. Uh, nothing super eventful uh, on the river. No more, you know. It's not like Matt and Tom's journey down the river where you know there were. <laughs> Uh, assassins and people hopping on the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so quiet, if a little. Um, what's the word? Sickly. I don't know. Yeah. So. Uh, it's been yeah. a long day. Those words aren't coming to my mind. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit before we talk about what we can say about the journey. Let's talk a little bit about tear. Um, okay. not, not as beautiful as Camelin or Tarvalin, perhaps, but one of the great cities, nonetheless, right. Uh, led ruled by the high Lords, I guess we could say, and pretty, I guess we could say pretty warm and damp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> through the course of this, these two chapters, there's a lot of rain. And I think that carries over into chapter 50 as well. But yeah. Um, Tyr and, you know, to a to an extent, Ilian, you know, we were there last week. Yeah. Uh, Tyr and Ilian, to me, in my brain, I just kind of picture like South Florida. Yeah. I, I was looking <laughs> at the I was looking at the map the other day. And I was thinking, you know, Ilion's like Miami. Yeah. All the way down there, like the farthest you can go south. And then you come up just a tiny little bit and you're in this river delta. And that's tier. So it's kind of like New Orleans, I guess. Yeah. Um, But tier is dominated. Or at least the landscape of tier is dominated by this structure known as the stone, which we've heard about several times. Uh, that's apparently where the uh, sword known as Kalendor is kept in the heart of the stone. Right. And it's kind of hard to miss, apparently. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, giant floating crystal sword. Well, I'm uh, just talking, talking about the, the stone, about the stone itself. It, it dominates yeah. the, the landscape. Um, yeah. And, and we find out it was actually made with the power. And I think it's Elaine gives us the details of how, how it was done and even points out that it's kind of interesting considering how the Terrans feel about the power now. That <laughs> yeah. their, 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 their pride and joy, if you will, was built with the power. Yeah. Um, and women who are 
associated with the tower need to be careful. Uh, yeah, because uh, in tier it is illegal to channel and borderline. You know, Asadi aren't technically like you're not going to go get thrown in prison for being an Aes Sedai, but you would be quickly escorted out of the country with extreme prejudice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, but to openly channel is illegal in tier. Um, so that's a problem. The, the high Lords don't like it. It also, you know, I don't know that we're given an exact, date for when the stone of tear was made but given its sheer size and the skill and the amount of power that it would take to make it it almost makes me wonder if it it's one of those structures that was made still with the uh, combined efforts of male and female channelers mm. well i know elaine says something along the lines of you know Today's Aes Sedai couldn't do it. Yeah. So the that, entire that, tower today wouldn't be enough yeah, to do it. That that tells you that it is something uh, of a greater Yeah. Uh I guess a time when the, the power was there was something stronger or a stronger tower, or like you said, maybe even times when there was still that yeah. uh unity. Because we saw that yeah. small sliver of time before, you know, all the men went mad where some of the male, I said, I mean, that's how we ended up with like the eye of the world, things like that. Yeah. So makes you wonder because, you know, it does house calendar. So it makes you wonder if male, I said, I were part of the construction, um, that's true. Because it's basically it's a man size, it's a man made mountain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I mean, even by our like real world standards, to make a structure that large, I mean, I can't think of any that are that big. Taller, maybe, but in sheer scope, I can't think of any even of our modern buildings that equal that kind of size. No, not at all. Yeah, that, that's. So, I mean. Really it's impressive thing yeah, yeah. It, it's it's impressive uh yeah. well yeah, the people are of tier you know it's a the economy there is mostly fishing mm -hmm. it's oil sales um and you know we will we'll get into it a little bit later on but the general populace of uh at least a good chunk of the city of tier is not in the best shape you know, there's a yeah. lot of, you, we, you saw, you know, how clean and neat Camelon was, uh, tier yeah. is not that there's a lot more poverty, poverty in right, tier. Right. Well, just this, this area where they, you know, disembark and, and even are going to end up spending their time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the streets, the streets are mud uh, I wonder is there is there ever a time when the streets are dry? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but the streets are mud. The people, I mean, it's it's obvious from the uh, surrounding area that yeah, this is a poor area, and yeah, things not going as well as they could. But that's another discussion for oh, uh, maybe a little bit later, maybe another episode. 
Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. But they're not fond of the power in no. tier, <laughs> which means Egwene should probably be quiet about the, her dreams. Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> probably. Because these are not ordinary dreams, it seems. Yeah. I mean, some of them might be. Yeah, and she doesn't even know. <laughs> she thinks right. some might have some meaning. She thinks some might not. She doesn't know what they could mean. She, It's right. just all a confused blur to her. Well, and there are some that obviously we do know have a meaning, right? Uh, oh, Perrin, yeah. Perrin with a falcon on his shoulder. Uh, we we've kind of known that for quite some time. Perrin Perrin has found his falcon uh, as much as he doesn't want to admit it. Um, so she she sees that, which is interesting. You know, we've talked before about you know the things that men sees and the things that Egwene sees, and there there being some overlap there. So yeah, the difference uh, is the, the biggest difference is as a dreamer, Egwene sees possibilities yeah men sees absolute truth okay like if men sees it it will happen there is no like change like your fate is sealed <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh sorry i got a a disney line stuck in my head at that <laughs> <laughs> but uh. But the difference is, you know, Egwene and all the dreamers really they see possible futures, things that could be, and some are more likely than others. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I just I just can't get over the feeling that some of these things will come up again. Um, yeah. Do you want to go through them? We we can. Um a few of them will probably just need to you just mention them and pass on, you know. I have them written down um, in my notes. You know, some of them seem pretty self-explanatory. There are glimpses of her friends, right? Ran, Matt, and Perrin. Right. There are dreams of the Sean Chan. Uh, we can figure that one out pretty easily. She's still dealing with that trauma yeah. of that. Um, nightmares of a white cloak putting Master Luhan in a trap for bait that could just be homesickness you know yes fear of you know not knowing what's going on at home but i'm not so sure about that mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean uh it's like you said it's you know if these are I guess that's the other thing too is sorting through what would be just like a normal dream and what yeah. is a dreamer dream if if we can use that yeah. terminology. <laughs> so I'm a little bit worried about what's happening back in the two rivers or what okay. may happen back in the two rivers. Uh, we mentioned Perrin with a falcon on his shoulder. Um, Perrin choosing between the axe and a blacksmith's hammer. Which, if you read ahead of time for this episode, you might have a little bit more insight onto that, but still not really a whole lot. Yeah. 
you know, because because that might come up in one of the the, the the other chapter we were supposed to do tonight. Um, Matt dicing with the dark one and shouting, I am coming. <laughs> I definitely get the idea of him shouting, I am coming, because last we left Matt was in Camelin and he's like, I've got to get to Tyr to protect these girls. Yeah. And so it's almost like through her dreams, he's telling her, I'm on my way. Right. And the dicing, obviously, um, you know, we we have seen no shortage of that from Matt, but dicing with the dark one? Uh, well, I mean, he's been rolling the dice and getting lucky with all these assassins that were sent by the dark one. So, I mean, you could do luck at it that that's, way. That's true that uh, all of that is is his luck playing mm -hmm. out. Um, okay, maybe so. Uh, I don't think Matt's going to actually sit down with the Dark One and throw dice. No. Oh, that, that would be... No, a, I think we'd be in for a lot of trouble if he did. That'd be a fun way to decide the last battle. <laughs> <laughs> a dice roll. A dice roll. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh didn't I tell you? In this chap in that chapter in Book 13, there's this... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. And then there's Rand. Um, where to, well, let's just begin with sneaking through the utter darkness toward Kalendor. All around him are walking six men and five women. Mm -hmm. I did some thinking on this. Okay. How many, how many forsaken were there? 13. Yeah, and two of them we've seen and, as far as we know, have been taken out of commission. Right. Which leaves... Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> now, the, the issue there is she thinks that one of them is Baalzaman. So, I don't know. And what's even more interesting is is the way they are responding to him. They're all they're all like taking a different approach. Some of them are hunting him. Some of them just want to ignore him. Some are trying to guide him toward Kalendor. Some of them are trying to keep him from Kalendor. Uh, some don't seem to know uh, what's going on, where he is, or some see him in glimpses um yeah so rand we know rand is going for kalendor right right does Egwene know that i don't think she does does she no yeah i didn't think so in fact does it even say does she even use the name kalendor or does she just describe it I don't have my book here with me, so I'm, I'm not sure. Off I'm, the top of my I'm head. looking it up. I, I had the page numbers written down. Um, well, it says he had been sneaking through the utter darkness toward Kalendor. That that's the quote. Yeah. Um. Now, whether that's Egwene's thinking or, or the narration, I don't know. Um. But okay. 
she is seeing something that we know is happening in a way. Miranda is trying to get to that shining crystal sword. And it seems there are some who want to keep him from it, some who want to help him get it, which is strange if these are the Forsaken, but who knows? Uh, well, it, it's really not, though, when you think about it, because the prophecy says that only the only the dragon can free Kalandor from the stone. So, I mean, if anybody else wants it, he has to get it first. He has to get it for them first. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, I did like her description of Baalzaman as wanted Rand dead with the desperation desperation she could nearly taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy hates Rand uh, yeah. with a passion. He wanted to control him, and then now that he's decided that he can't. He just wants him dead. Uh, that escalated quickly. Yep. Actually, not so quickly, though, because it's it, it, he tried for the longest time to control Rand. Um, yeah. He tried several times. He gave Rand that opportunity several times, and Rand wasn't having it. So, yeah, um, you know, what's the next best thing? I guess just get rid of him. Yep. Um. Okay, there's three more. Uh, yeah, most of that with Rand is him going towards Kalendor with those 11 people around him. There's something about Rand in a dry, dusty chamber and small creatures settling into his skin. And it says again. Is Have we seen this before? Or is this like, like maybe Egwene has dreamed this on another occasion. We just weren't privy to it. I, can't I think remember. it was something she dreamed about once before. Yeah, I can't remember when we last talked about uh, dreams. It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go back through all the the docs and find that, which I need to do and make like a uh, a separate doc with all of this information about dreams <laughs> and with men's visions. And lots of other stuff. But we'll get there. But yeah, I have no idea what that could be. Uh, Rand confronting a horde of Shan-Chan. But the Shan-Chan aren't going to be a problem anymore, right? Right, they're gone. Ever, never again. They're, yeah, we got rid of them. Yeah. So that that that's, that's something that won't happen. Oh, except there's this other one of Rand confronting her. Uh, and the other women with her. And one of them was a Sean Chan. Yep. I just don't know. There's just so much stuff. <laughs> uh, it's like, I, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what all of this means. I will say this. I can think I can say this without spoiling anything. Robert Jordan, especially book three, four, five, and six, really, really enjoys planting seeds i can tell yeah <laughs> so uh i can really tell it, it, there's I, I i feel like there's a lot here yeah there is just, this is one of those things where like you said you're gonna make a list 
this is one of those things you're going to want to come back to yeah. when you've a few more books in and look back on it. And then even when you're even more deep into it than that. Uh, yeah. Anytime they bother to tell us her specific dreams, take note. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. And it's the same thing with, with men when she tells us about the things that she sees. I was like, I need to take note of this. I need to write this down because this is probably going to come up again. Right. Um, I will make that list. <laughs> I mean, it. we might be on like book nine by the time I get it done, <clears throat> but I will make that list. <laughs> you know, I venture to say there's probably one already out there. I'll take a look. Yeah, but it would have spoilers on it. I want to make That's my own list. Okay. <laughs> so that way I can update it, you know, like as we go along, I see. you know. Um, I see. So let's go to it. Let's go find an inn. Right. Stay yeah. Because we all want a nice inn with a hopefully a plump innkeeper and a nice bed. What better way to set up shop after, you know, that horrible boat ride? Yeah, but, uh, I, I will say this. I am happy to see that, like, at least from these chapters, every innkeeper we've encountered, we encounter in tier is plump. Yep. <laughs> uh, but that gets into the next chapter. One of them was very plump, <laughs> a very large <laughs> fellow. Um, so that's comforting. But um, no, we're not going to an inn as much as a nice, comfortable bed would, uh, you know, maybe a, a hot meal in the common room as much as nice as that would be. Um, no, we can't stay in an inn because Leandrin and her dark friends probably know that somebody's coming. Right. They probably don't know. They don't know who, but they'll know them when they see them. They, they will know these girls when they see them. Right. So, well, where else? I've got an idea. Elaine is the daughter heir of Andor, right? Yeah. She can just, you know, pull up her little daughter heir ID card and they can go stay in one of the noble houses. That's exactly it. You know, she'll just <laughs> present her papers. Hi, you know, flash her crown or something like that. And <laughs> go on about her day. Okay. Yeah. No, but what are we doing really? Yeah. <laughs> So we don't really know at first. Uh, Nynaeve just kind of says, I'll know it when I know it, and sets off. Uh, and thankfully for them, she finds what she's looking for, even if she didn't know what it was she was looking for at first, which, you know, this almost <laughs> strikes as like how Matt tends to just wander. Nynaeve's almost doing the same thing there. She kind uh, of is, but she does find what she's looking for. Yep. Um, she turns out to be, um, well, she, she's looking for a wisdom is, is what she would say. Uh, she finally finds a woman who has some herbs hanging in her front window, something. And they go around to the back door, which I thought was kind of interesting, <laughs> but, uh, this is how we meet mother Gwenna, uh, Al Alwyn Gwenna, <laughs> uh, a wise woman. Right. Um, it's what they call them in tier. Uh, I guess she's basically, um, basically the same as she kind of does the same thing that Night and Eve used to do back in the two rivers. Minus um, the weather 
Oh, but, but why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to predict the weather? Because that smells <laughs> of channeling, which uh, smells uh, of ice and I, which smells of yeah. Off you go. <laughs> but uh, as far as medicine and herbs and that kind of thing, uh, you know, she and Nynaeve are almost equals. It seems. Yeah, there's this they, fun little uh, back and forth between them. Yeah, I can almost envision that just the two of them sitting there at the table, just, you know, rattling off these questions back and forth. You know, what do you do uh, in in the event of this kind of ailment? And, oh, well, you do this. and the, Oh, I've never heard of that herb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very much like, uh, you know, two ladies sitting around like a crafting circle just... <laughs> sharing the gossip like it's yeah. very uh it's interesting and Egwene does start to get bored after a little while yeah uh, or maybe not bored but impatient yeah Egwene has an attitude in this entire chapter oh she does it's awful yeah and um uh, if if listeners if you have not figured it out yet I don't like Egwene <laughs> uh, uh, so, she is you know, at least in this book and in several times in the other books so far, she has been quite insufferable. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd love to say she gets better, but yeah. Not really. Uh, well, uh, I'll leave that up to you as we move we'll, along. We'll find out as we go along. But um, so it turns out it seems like Mother Gwenna was just uh, who we're looking for. Yeah. Um, she uh first of all she has exactly what uh, Nynaeve needs to settle her stomach and she even has a way to get people to stop arguing with each other <laughs> yeah uh, which i think i it, just i kind of wish elaine had pushed that a little bit. yeah i think elaine <laughs> was was ready to see that happen yeah um but i guess the biggest thing that we get from mother Gwenna. First of all, um, most of her customers as of late have been asking for something to take away bad dreams. Yep. And this is like the, you know, second verse, same as the first, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it's well, this we would keep... be same as the third. <laughs> I mean, we keep running into this. Right. Yeah. We keep running into everywhere we go. People are having bad dreams. Let's see. Ileon, we we experienced that. Oh, and it turns out there's a Forsaken ruling in Ileon. Right. Um, Camelin, people are having bad dreams. Oh, and as it turns out, uh, Morghese has a Forsaken as her advisor. Right. And now we're in tier and people are having bad dreams. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, you know, I seem to remember something from a while back about a high lord just suddenly coming to power that nobody has ever heard of. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of uh, on-the-nose similarities with things happening in Tyr that have been happening other places. I wonder... And at this... I wonder what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at this, at this point, I feel like Robert Jordan is sitting here with a stick just going... Well, get well. the point. Get the point. <laughs> um, I, I'm starting to get the point. Anyway, we need to we need to roll along. Um, Mother Gwenna is 
you know, she does more than just reveal that, though. She gives us, um, or she gives our girls, a place to stay. Yeah, which is great, because then they can try and stay hidden, because who's going to think to look in a medicine shop, basically? Right. A right. pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, and she um, she might know somebody who can help. Yeah. Uh, we don't get to meet him in this chapter, but uh, it, it turns out, you know, because Elaine had said something uh, as they arrived in Tyr that what they needed was a thief catcher. Yeah. And Mother Gwenna just happens to know one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fellow by the name of Juelin Sandar. We're given his name. Uh, but we don't get to meet him quite yet. Um, I guess the only other thing to mention in this chapter is, and Egwene remarks on this, that Nynaeve is learning how to be Aes Sedai. Yeah, Egwene uses it to try and, like, hurt Nynaeve, basically. Yeah. It's it's a very, like, low blow to the it... point that Elaine is, like... <laughs> Elaine straight up slaps her for it, yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> she probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure she deserved it. Yeah, but even before that, though, there was that moment. Um, I guess when they were first talking with Mother Gwenna, and Nynaeve was revealing what she could. Yeah, and Egwene remarks to herself how, you know. Nynaeve was trying her best to stick to the three oaths. Yep. Like she was trying to speak as though she were already bound by the oath not to tell a lie. Right. Because it and, definitely would have been easier just to lie about it. Yeah, but but so she she tells the truth, but she does it in a way that, you know, like, what is it she says that uh, they stole something from our mother? Yeah. You know, um uh some uh, uh there were some other details too that that kind of fit in there like that but they did murder yeah they did murder they uh, stole things that were precious but not really probably wouldn't be of any value to anybody yeah. else uh which i i wonder about that uh, why is that i just wonder how many people if they if they knew what they had in their hands right but the but, the point is most of the things that they've taken, if you don't know what they are, just look like random knickknacks. They don't look like, you know, they don't look super expensive or fancy. Hey, some people will pay a lot of money for those little inexpensive knickknacks. That's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, but it, but it all comes back to Nynaeve is. I guess doing her best. Uh, yeah. You know, do, doing her best to embrace uh, being an Aes Sedai. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that moment, like that moment when Elaine gets up and slaps Egwene, like at first it kind of shocked me. I'm like, why in the world? What? But then I read it again and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, Egwene was trying to almost be insulting Oh, she's and, definitely she's she basically, you know, is is saying that she's acting like Moraine yeah. and which Nynaeve her, hates yeah, Moraine because yeah. of what she's done in her eyes. So it's basic. I mean, it it's per, it's a pretty low blow. Yeah. 
and Egwene agrees. Yeah. But she's not willing to admit it. But that happens in chapter 49, which I think we're ready to move on to. Yeah, I think we're good. Chapter 49, a storm in tear. A thief catcher is what we need, and a thief catcher is what we will have. Julian Sandar is confident he can find the 13 Black Aja. Maybe a little too confident? Business concluded, Egwene ventures once again into the world of dreams, but does not stay for long. Meanwhile, Matt and Tom arrive in tier, if a bit slower than Matt would have liked. But as luck would have it, it doesn't take Matt very long to find Komar, and things ex escalate pretty quickly. Um, so let's start with, um, Julian Sandar. All right. Uh, he is the thief catcher or thief taker. I think they're called in, or is it thief catcher? Uh, they're called different things in different parts of the world. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's thief catcher here. Okay. Either way, that's his job. That's what he does. Um, and he'll work for anybody, you know, he, he works for the high Lords occasionally. And he even thinks that, um, he might be working for the high Lord soon because he's, he's seen thieves. Yeah. So he's, uh, well, he's seen people skulking along the rooftops, right? They haven't so, stolen anything yet. In my, from the impression that I was given by what Elaine said, I think, the thief takers or thief catchers here in tier all technically work for the high lords or lower or lower lords. Yeah. But only when they need them. Otherwise they're left to their own devices. Um, in my brain, when I think of Jewel and Sandor, I kind of think of like an old, uh, like a gumshoe, you know, like a, an old noir detective. Oh, uh, like type. an old Dick Tracy or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what comes to mind for me. You know, this guy, okay. who's, uh, you know, some a woman comes to his office <laughs> with a, a tale of woe and he gets all mixed up and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think of when I think of Julian Sandar. Okay. Uh, so. All right. Not quite Sherlock Holmes, like, but, you know, in that same, like, yeah. detective-y type with yeah, the so you know the, the the trench coat and the the fedora and yep yeah all of that all of that good stuff yeah although not wearing a trench coat and a fedora wearing a funny straw hat and uh those clogs clog platform things to keep his feet out of the mud yeah um, which can we talk quite, about those for just a second well well all I was right. just thinking it doesn't quite strike the same image as <laughs> now the film noir. But no. anyway, but what, what, the, what about clogs? Mention those clogs. So when Egwene describes them, they're wooden platforms, two hands high. That's like, yeah, that's insane. That's, that's not. <laughs> that's a pretty substantial <laughs> platform. Uh, You're basically walking yeah. around with like foot and a half length wooden or, or blocks on your feet. It, or could it be horizontal, which is still a quite a 
Yeah, that's still it's still quite a platform, but not quite as high. And, and for the yeah. listeners who can't see us, we're sitting here and and putting our hands together like in different configurations <laughs> to figure out how how high these platforms are. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know some women wear pretty high heels, but yeah, even by those standards, this seems pretty crazy. And to, and the idea that you're using them to walk in mud—I don't know how many of you walk in mud on a regular basis, but I do in my line of work, and mud sticks. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to keep your balance while walking on wooden pedestals. <laughs> you mean you don't walk in your platform shoes when you're out in the mud? No. Oh, okay. Just when you're not in the mud, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he thinks there are uh, unsavory individuals in the city. Um. He's seen people on the rooftops just out of the corner of his eye. Um, and he's pretty sure there's going to be thieving soon. Yeah. So he's like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get it done as quick as I can because the high lords are going to need me soon. Yep. Um, Got to love the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he does, you know. Nynaeve thinks of it as arrogance, but, you know. Mother Gwenna, or yeah. Well, she she tells him he he's the best. Yeah. Uh, and he will get the job done. And he's not going to charge a lot to do it either. I don't remember exactly what the cost was, but it was not quite not a very. <laughs> uh, it it, yeah. it was pretty much as cheap as he could do it and not get in trouble with well, the guild. You get the distinct feeling that he's flirting. <laughs> that's at least true. i did yeah because well, yeah, he's did very mention, much trying it, to like it did mention when he came in he kind of gave Nynaeve a second look yeah yeah okay <laughs> uh i think I, I don't think she's interested though especially nah. not given the name of her horse <laughs> <laughs> what you read you mean if you read the chapters you know what that means yep uh, she named her horse Gaiden. Yep. Uh, and Gawain's pretty sure she knows why. Um, one moment I thought was at first funny, but then I thought about it a little bit more, and I I, I was a little bit curious after they you know kind of have this discussion, or at some point in the discussion, he says, "I will behave as if these women are all Aes Sedai and Black Aja." Mm-hmm. To which Egwene nearly chokes on her tea. <laughs> but he's 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 just kind of it's more of that boastful arrogance, right? Right. He he's not like <laughs> and in a land where Isodai, regular Aes Sedai are hated and reviled and outlawed, the idea of like those type people that are even further that serve the shadow, it's probably like, you know, he's probably boasting and and being a little show off here, but he's also using something that people in tier would probably think of as like the worst of the worst. Yeah. Well, he's already kind of hinted at that, you know, things like Trollocs are just children's stories yeah. or tales to frighten children. Yeah. He probably thinks the same thing about the Black Aja. Yeah, he calls uh, what is it? Uh, fetch for, is what yeah. he calls a, a murder all. Okay. Um, and 
Yeah, they're all fairy tale characters. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, we saw that in the Two Rivers, too. That's true. And this is even further away from This is from further light. south, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, which we saw in Ileon as well. Yeah, well, uh, in Ileon, they don't even believe they, snow is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, can't imagine. Uh, we see it rare enough in our part, in this part of the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've we've got the seemingly have the help that we need yeah uh julian's gonna find or julian is how it's spelled it's yeah uh, julian is how it's julian yeah pronounced. uh he's gonna find our he, he's gonna find our 13 black aja <laughs> yep. um he, he might bite off a little bit more than he can chew i don't know but we're going to see them a lot sooner than that, aren't we? Yep. Doesn't take long at all. It does not take long at all because once that business is done, they have supper. The girls settle into... Turns out Mother Gwen actually has three rooms. Yeah, they each get their own room. <laughs> they each get their own room, which I'm sure all of them are probably over the moon about. Yeah. Uh, Egwene After sharing and Nynaeve, that tiny cabin on the ship and everything. Egwene and Nynaeve that they don't have to share with each other and yeah. Elaine that she doesn't have to share with the two of them. <laughs> yep. But for a brief moment, they do share Egwene's room as Egwene settles in to travel once again into Teleran Riyadh and does not stay long. Nope. Because what does she find... In the world of dreams. Someone is already waiting there. She manages yeah. to walk, almost walk right into, well, I can't ever say this woman's name right. Leandrin. Yeah. And maybe Leandrin knows she's there. Yeah. We get, I, I get that sense that, you know, I think we're supposed to get that sense that. Uh, yeah. She is Le seen. Leandrin is not unaware. Yeah. Of Egwene's presence. There in the Teleron Riyadh version of the Heart of the Stone. Yeah. Around Kalendor. And quickly, Egwene wakes up and kind of stalls for a minute, but does break the news. Um, they know they, they're there. They know we're here. Yeah. And then we cut to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Who's been having a right good old time gambling and dicing and uh, journeying down the river, right? I mean, no issues for him this time, right? I mean, he's got Tom to play stones with. <laughs> um, yep. And according to Tom, he could be a very good player if he would just pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Matt is in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, he and for good reason, right? He believes that the girls are in danger. The girls are in danger. And I guess he thinks he's going to be their savior, their hero. He's going to yeah. run in and he's going to fight the shadow single handedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think at this point he thinks about it being the shadow. He just knows he's yeah. thinking about it still in the uh, the aspect of he just thinks he's going after a regular old run-of-the-mill assassin uh, and you know in in perspective for him when he's been dealing with you know 
the power and Aes Sedai and the Forsaken and the, all the Sean Chan and everything, one normal man, while, you know, a danger to the girls in his mind, is probably not as daunting as if, you know, you told him, oh, the Forsaken are after them or the Black Aja is after them. <laughs> like, he just thinks he's going after a regular old human person. <laughs> yeah, but a regular old human person who works for one of the Forsaken. But he doesn't know that. <laughs> he knows it's a dark friend. Yeah, he knows it's a dark friend. Right. He doesn't okay. know it's a Forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which I guess means technically we don't know that either. We don't know it. But we, we, we assume. We have high suspicion. We, we assume based on... We, it's our hypothesis. Right. Or maybe even theory. We we have evidence to suggest that he's probably more than a run-of-the-mill dark friend. Yeah. Um. But Komar is... I mean, I guess he might be a dark friend, but he's just a normal person. Normal guy. Right. Uh, and we got to find him as quickly as we can. We don't even have time to rest. Nope. Um, even though it's pouring rain. <laughs> it's pouring rain. Poor Tom is developing a cough. Um, Matt hasn't really been sleeping to begin with uh, very well, but out into the city and systematically checking every single end they come across, trying to gather information, trying to find out... Has anybody seen, you know, they have a description of Komar. They have a description of the girls. Has anyone seen them? And they get nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> um, until um, Matt inadvertently skips like three ends. Yeah. <laughs> In his tiredness, um, he just kind of... Yeah. And finally, Tom's able to convince him, we need to go back. We need to get some rest. We can start again in the morning. And Matt says, okay, but just one more. Yeah. And they're standing right in front of... I don't know if we were given the name of the inn or not. Uh, there's some weird fellow in a tall man in a cloak that hurries around the corner. Um, I thought that was an interesting detail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, seems so conspicuous, but I don't know. Who is the tall man in the cloak hurrying around the corner? Hmm. Um, Who could it be? Well, it's not Komar. <laughs> no. Because Komar just happens to be how lucky it is that, you know, Pat, Matt passes by three ends, decides to randomly check one more. Yep. And then there's Komar sitting at a table playing dice. Winning at dice, by the way. Yeah, more than he should be. Yeah. How's he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> So, turns uh, out, unlike Matt, uh, Tom is quick to point out uh reason Komar is winning, and that the innkeeper, too, is aware of this fact. The reason he's winning is he's fixing the game. He's He's got weighted dice. Yeah. Um, and and, he, and he's, sm he's, he's smart in how he does it, you know. Um, he doesn't use them when 
you know, the wages are low, the stakes are low, and then they're weighted so that it's not it's not the highest roll. Right. It's just but it's one that's enough to win. It, it, it's it's enough to win. It can almost it can it's almost impossible to beat. Yeah. Um I think but it's it, it can oh, go ahead. I just wanted to mention that this again, you know, I talked earlier in the episode about the poverty level and the the state of the people in tier. Yeah. The interaction that Matt has here with the innkeeper to me just kind of drives that home. Tier is a place that uh, the people are legitimately oppressed. Like the innkeeper knows that Komar has wealth. And so he is afraid, even though he realizes what he's doing, he's scared to death to speak up against somebody of higher status than him, somebody of standing, because he knows if he calls the guards who, you know, in a normal city like Claymont, if you call them the guards, they're going to come and make sure that the law is being kept. Yeah. In tier, if you call the guards, they're going to beat you up for having the audacity to speak up against a lord or someone of wealth. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just this broken society here where the people in power have basically made it to where everyone else believes that they are beneath them. Yeah. So much so that even a traveling merchant or an, an outlander merchant, if yeah. he's got wealth, he can pretty much do whatever he wants to. Yep. The law doesn't apply. Uh, until someone with incredible luck happens upon the scene yep <laughs> because i and I, I love this moment <laughs> that first of all you know matt goes up he i think he puts down like a, a gold coin yeah gold andron mark yeah and komar's quick to take that up he rolls his dice he gets his roll um you know like the second best roll you can have or something like that and before he can do his little trick with the switching the dice, Matt scoops him up, rolls the same dice, which we know are weighted, and comes up with the with the best roll that you can get, the five crowns, and wins right. wins the game. How does luck even work anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, as Matt is going to realize uh, here shortly... It all depends on chance. It's a, you know, I, I think to to look at it from a scientific standpoint, it's all about pro probabilities. Okay. You know, it, it literally, literally is. His luck works best when it's random. When there are multiple choices and one is being picked without, like, Matt's luck works best when he's not thinking about it. Right. And he kind of realizes that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, because, you know, after the business with Komar, I think he still spends time trying to find information of the girls. Yeah. And he's just going like, you know, he he's not following any kind of pattern. He'll get to an intersection and he'll flip a coin uh, or he'll go get outside and then he'll flip a coin. Do I go in or do I not? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that's it's, uh, the, it seems like to me that the bigger like the better chance is involved the better results he gets yeah so you know just just one it makes me wonder just how good would matt's luck be like we've seen how he's how good he is when he's playing with normal dice you know a six-sided die just how crazy could things get if if uh matram cawthon had a d20 oh boy uh he would be well it depends is he is he behind the dm screen or is he a player (laughs) depending on sometimes it seems like he swaps back and forth depending on which side of the dm screen he's on he's somebody's worst nightmare yep um so um but he wins and then decides to press his luck Right. And he just comes out and asks Komar directly about the girls. Yeah. And which Komar says, no, I haven't found them yet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, basically, right? Isn't that basically what it is? He basically says, yeah, I haven't found them yet. And then, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) And everything escalates super quickly. It ends up in a scuffle. um, Which ultimately ends up in Komar being dead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. not before telling Matt that he's not the only one looking for those girls. Right. Um, which is another, you know, this is not the first time we've seen Matt in a fight like this that ended. I mean, I'm thinking about when he was back in Tarvalin and he like threw one of the gray men off the roof or something like that well, he he jumped off the roof with the gray man that, that's what it was and then landed yeah. on top like, of him <laughs> but this one he kind of what is it he kind of throws komar like over his back and he lands on a table and breaks his back yeah and then you know dies a few a few moments later yeah uh, which is just also wonderful for the innkeeper oh yeah <laughs> he's he's like yeah. okay you've got to go and i mean he's he's not like there's a part of him I think is thankful to be rid of Komar. Right. <laughs> but he's like, this is not going to end well. So you need to get out of here. And when the defenders come, uh, I look, there's this man I've been dreaming about. He's, he's tall. He's got red hair, gray eyes. Um, You know, he doesn't actually exist, but I'll tell the defenders that it was a man who looked like that. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That that's that's a very oddly specific dream that you're having there, innkeeper. But uh, wait a minute. A tall man with red colored hair and gray eyes. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't sound like anybody we've ever met. Ah, no, no. Um. Uh, but uh, or maybe it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this guy's dreaming about Rand. Yeah. Uh, which is our, I think our supposed to be our hint that Rand is here too. Yeah, right? I'm thinking he was probably the, the the man who ducked around the corner. Yeah, I think most likely. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Which uh, is interesting, because um, I can't remember if it was in this chapter, or if it's in the next chapter, which we're I, we're going to cover next time. But as I was listening to the audio book, there was something mentioned about being right outside uh, a place that had um, herbs hanging in the window. Yeah. 
And it just, it just struck me like how close these, you know, this group, they, they just keep passing by each other. Right. Never being any of the wiser that the other ones are there. Yeah. Um, so again, I ask, how does luck even work anyway? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, you're right. I think we have our confirmation that Rand is in tier because this goes all the way back to the beginning of the book, doesn't it? When people seeing Rand in their dreams yeah, or, or Rand's dreams. Uh, Rand's dreams bleed over into other people. Thank you. I was trying to find the right word. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Bleeding over into other people's dreams. Um, but it also, it could be that. Or it could be, you know, they're seeing, we, we talked about in Ilian, people are having bad dreams. In Kaelin, people are having bad dreams. In Tyr, people are having bad dreams. What they're experiencing is most likely the exact same thing as what we saw at the beginning with Rand's dreams sharing to other people. Mm-hmm. So it could be Rand's dreams, but Rand just got there, for what we know. Most likely, what you're seeing is a forsaken dreaming of dreaming. Rand. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, hmm. Well, there are more dreams to talk about. Sure. Because as the next few days go on, Matt's searching ends at random and he hears some rumors uh, rumors of war with Ilion, which I think had already been touched on a little bit. Rumors yeah. of invading Mayin. Uh, rumors of invasion from Andor. <laughs> that seems far-fetched. Yeah. Um, uh, Seafolk trade being cut off. Arter Hawkwing's armies returning from the dead. Which is interesting because we know that that's happened. Right. And like it's but it's still just a rumor here in Tier. Right. Something, well, it's literally the other side well, of the world for yeah. in their eyes. But that's so. another thing too, because you know um I'm thinking back to the end of book two and the the, the battle in the sky. Right. And everybody seeing Rand fighting Baalzaman and would, would be able to recognize his description, but they don't recognize him in tears. So new that, that rumor, or at least that kind that amount of the information has not gotten here yet, which again, it's the other side of the world. Well, um, think about this too, though. Um, so the, the events that happened at Falma happened after the rumor that they're talking about would have been spread. So what they're talking about is the return of Arter Hawkwing's armies. The Sean Chan oh, were that's in right. that's right. That's for right. a while before Rand showed up because of the Flicker incident. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I, I was thinking of I guess I was thinking of the um the horn. The heroes of the horn. Yeah. Right. Because Arter Hawkwing was one of them. Right. Uh but when you talk when in the books they talk about Arthur Hawkwing's armies, it's talking about the Sean, the Sean Chan. Chan. That's right. Okay. So it's probably just 
that the rumors of what happened with Rand haven't got here yet. Okay, you're or right. Or haven't taken hold yet. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. I, I was completely uh, <laughs> missing it on that. Yeah. Um, but there are rumors that the dragon is coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking the dragon's probably already here. Um, <laughs> but then Matt does have some dreams. Uh, you know, he does finally... Uh, go to bed, right? Um, get some sleep, and yeah, he's he's having some dreams about about the girls, um, and some some fellow with white hair laughing and weaving a net around them, right? That's not discomforting at all. No, and sometimes it's um. It's Moraine that's in the net. Sometimes this white-haired fellow holds a crystal sword in his hand. Sometimes it's Rand that holds the crystal sword in his hand. Um, he actually dreamed of Rand quite a bit, which I think further confirms. Uh, well, I guess it confer it could, doesn't confirm anything because it could either be that Rand is in tear, or somebody is dreaming about Rand. Yeah. Uh. And I'm guessing that this white-haired fellow, I'm just guessing, probably one of the Forsaken. I think that's a safe assumption. I, I would <laughs> think it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. But things don't look any better in tier than they did in Ilion or Camelin. Um or a lot of places for that matter. Kyron's in pretty bad shape too, at least last we heard. Yeah. Um, but we don't think, as far as we know, there's not a Forsaken involved in that one. <laughs> no, just a civil war. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, that's, I guess that wraps up chapter 49. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, it, I hate to say it, but it kind of leaves things on a, perilous point we, we're, we're on the we're on the edge of the cliff once again yep uh and i, I got a feeling that's going to be the case until we get to the end of the book yeah and even much. then even then we might be still hanging on the edge of a cliff i don't know yeah we'll we'll see um well i had a final thought if we were covering chapter 50 but uh since we didn't cover chapter 50 this week, we'll cover that next time. Um, no white cloaks. No, no Trollocs either. Uh, no Trollocs. So, no Narg. Uh, no Narg. Uh, uh, no Sean Chan except in dreams. Yeah. That's a good this, thing. We did have a lot of dreams from a lot of people. Just a lot of dream talk in this these two chapters. I'm about so. ready for a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's late so. where I am. I need to get to bed. Um <laughs> that's my final thought. What about you? Uh I'm just excited for what's coming. Uh I think you know this and the next few chapters are still s slowly building to the crescendo of this mm -hmm. book and uh, uh it's it's going to be good. So Yeah. I you know, as I mentioned earlier in, in the episode, um, I have read this book before. 
Yep. So I kind of know what's coming. Although there are probably some details that I will not remember. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that too. Yeah. Uh, I always, I mean, even if I don't know what's coming, I get excited when we get toward the end of a book. Yeah. Because you know, the you know, and, and I think we've talked about this before, you know, Jordan's books, at least in my experience, there's a lot of action at the beginning, a lot of action at the end. Sometimes it can slow down a little bit in the middle, <laughs> uh, but it really picks up at the end. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that's necessarily a criticism. It's just an observation. Yeah. Um, through 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 my my time in this this series. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I guess that's going to be it. So, uh, you got any, anything else? No. Just uh, buckle up because we're in for a ride. <laughs> all right. Well, then, in that case, we want to say thank you for joining us uh, again this week. Uh, we'll remind you that. New episodes are released every other Tuesday. Again, we're, we're uh, not weekly anymore. We are bi-weekly. But if you subscribe or follow or whatever the case may be, um, I know Apple, I think, uses the word follow now. Anyway, you do that in your podcast feed. You will get the new episodes when they are released every other Tuesday uh, at the crack of dawn, early in the morning, <laughs> uh, which is when I like to have my podcast because I like to listen to them while I work out. Um, also, if you would, if you can leave us a rating and a review, uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, AKA X. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, you can send us an email, uh, shoot those, uh, Q and a questions at us because we'll be doing that in a few weeks. So you can use any of those platforms to uh, send us those questions. Um, yep. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, in fact, um, I guess I can say this. As we recorded recording this, uh, we did release an episode today and got some good feedback uh, on, on the socials. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and for those of you who are listening and left that feedback, thank you. Uh, we love yeah. to hear from you. It's exciting. Uh, I think we've said it before. I would want to do this even if nobody else was listening. Uh, just us getting to talk about this together. But the fact that you guys are listening, um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is. Uh, all right. So next time, I know we're doing chapter 50. Right. Uh, so next time we're going to do 50, 51, and 52. All right. And that'll get us a little bit further, almost to, almost the, to the end. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Well, uh, that being the case, we hope you'll read those chapters in the next two weeks and be ready to come back next time and we'll discuss them together. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you right back here next time. See you folks.